You're listening to a podcast from RadioMisfits.com. And now it's time for the Mr. Nelson Show. Welcome to another episode of the Mr. Nelson Show, episode 51. Yes, yes. Well, it's just me and Lefty this time around. Red Nickerton is a little under the weather, so uh, he won't be joining us. Hungover again? Uh, well, uh, yeah. Ah, oh, jeez. Well, anyway, uh, this week on NBC News. Oh, that's my favorite. Uh, top of the line. Hmm. Yeah, I'll bet. Um, well, they had a little thing called uh, the Commander in Chief Forum, and so uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton uh, each got a little segment with Matt Lauer, and um, uh, both kind of stumbled here. <laughs> Hillary didn't stumble. Uh, well, I guess not. If you, uh, she keeps to her lies, then then no, I guess she didn't. That's just oh, so typical. She did not lie at all. Yeah, well, but Trump did. Boy, did he say a whopper. Well, let's take a look. Uh, what did Trump stumble on? Well, of course, Trump uh, right now is quite the critic of the Iraq war. But uh, he claims uh, he never supported it. He was against it from the get-go, as if he had some sort of clairvoyance about how bad it would be. And so, uh, well, looks like he kind of stumbled here uh, on the forum. I happened to hear Hillary Clinton say that I was not against the war in Iraq. I was totally against the war in Iraq. But was this true? Flashback to the Howard Stern Show, 2002. Are you for invading Iraq? Yeah, I guess. So, uh, you know, I wish it was, I, I wish the first time it was done correctly. Burn there, see? Trump is done. It's over. Sorry, Jumpers, but you guys are liar. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lefty, that's hardly a ringing endorsement of the Iraq War at the time. No, no. He said he knew it was going to fail, that he was always against it, that he was totally against it. And totally means totally. Obviously, he wasn't. Yeah, yeah I guess a, a few little percentage points. It doesn't matter. It wasn't totally. So he lied, lied. Of course, at the time, he was uh, a famous businessman calling into the Howard Stern Show. Meanwhile, Hillary Clinton was a senator voting for the war. So, <laughs> well, there you go. No, I mean, it, it, she was lied to by George Bush. Wasn't George Bush one of the dumbest presidents we ever had? Yes, he was. He was horribly incompetent, terrible. Oh, God, who could possibly vote for that man? He was terrible and really just an imbecile. And he managed to fool Hillary Clinton, right? Yes, he did. Oh, I, oh, it, 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 shut up. You're just ridiculous. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, because Hillary was also on the show. Actually, she came first. Trump uh, did the second uh, part uh, because of a coin toss. And uh, that always works out better because uh, he got the last word. Yeah, it's just uh, shame on NBC for a line. Look, it's a coin toss. What were they going to do? Uh, so anyway, uh, one of the highlights of it was uh, a uh, Navy veteran stood up and uh, explained that uh, he had had access to secret documents. And had he done what she had done, uh, he would have been uh, exposed to uh, legal jeopardy, including uh, prison 
And, well, Hillary uh, responded to this and, and explained the whole thing. Yes, she did. Yeah, well, let's listen. You know and I know classified material is designated. It is marked. There is a header so that there is no dispute at all that what is being yes, communicated exactly. to or from uh, someone yes, yes. who has that, that is access is yes. uh, marked thank you, classified. Yes. And what we have here is the use of an unclassified system by hundreds oh, of people that unclassified in our in government uh, oh, to right. send information that was not marked. <laughs> there were no headers. There bus. was no statement, no, top uh, secret, secret, or confidential. I communicated <laughs> about Kinda classified is. material on a wholly separate system. And that's all total bullshit. What? Yeah, let me explain here. First of all, uh, the business about the headers and uh, markings and whatnot doesn't matter. Under the law, she's expected to know all of this. She was uh, briefed on all of that before she was sworn in, and uh, that's part of the job. You're supposed to know this crap, especially since her office originates classified material. So, uh, well, the marking wasn't there is no excuse. It's not one at all. Uh, plus, uh, the problem here is is that there were some that were marked and made a big, big deal about it, and then she claimed in her interviews with the FBI that she didn't know what it meant. <laughs> And uh, after everybody uh, getting reamed out for questioning her health in recent times, saying that the idea of even questioning a woman's health is sexist, uh, during the interview, she said, hey, remember, I, uh, I I had a bump on the head, so my memory isn't that great. <laughs> so, you know, which is it? Uh, so none of this washes, and um, she was given plenty of opportunities to use actual classified systems, and she refused. So this is all a bunch of crap. She's a liar, she broke the law, but she gets a pass because of her position. And that's the story. So if you support that, uh, vote for Hillary. No, you, you vote for Hillary because of uh, love and happiness and, and fairness and stuff. Yeah, yeah. All right, it's enough of this. I just, oh, I can't take much more of this. It's giving me a headache. It's time to move on. To your hero of the week? Well, no, I was once again going to nominate Hillary, but of course, after all this, I suppose I wouldn't be able to even get through it knowing you have control of the show. No, I've never interrupted your stuff. Yes, you have, with your stupid interrupting breaking news about someone, some weird story about some weird pervert who's, I don't know, screwing a van or vacuum cleaner or some God knows what. Oh, but anyway, you know, Mr. Dale said, I know that you have this bizarre disease called comic books. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Well, I've taken a bit of an interest in them, too. And uh, I think it's important that we look at some of the uh, groundbreaking uh, matters that comic books do deal with today, especially Marvel. It's amazing the, the leaps and bounds they've done for a progressive message. Why, uh, there's a black Captain America now, there's a black woman who's Iron Man now. Oh, it's just wonderful. Yeah. Well, Unfortunately, comic books don't always hit the mark, no. And thanks to an article by Ryan Litch from Screen Rat, we're going to explore this subject further. Ryan gave us a list of 12 most offensive comic book characters of all time. Ryan writes, Comic books have been the birthplace of many iconic characters in popular culture. Some of these have endured for decades, proving 
that engaging in imaginative characters could capture public interest for years to come. Of course, there are missteps every now and again. Scratch that. There are a lot of missteps, some of which are insensitive and downright offensive. In the 30s and 40s, Captain America and Superman were not only knocking out Hitler, but encouraging Americans to slap a jab. Oh, the lack of diversity in comics for decades made superhero rosters look like an Aryan propaganda poster. When black characters were finally introduced to the mid-sixties, many of them had the word black in their code names for no other reason than to identify their race. <laughs> Women have been sexualized and objectified. Religious groups, sexual orientations, and minorities have all been represented in cringe-worthy ways, some being much more recent than you might think. So, sit back and be amazed as we count down some of the most politically incorrect characters to have graced the pages of comic books with the 12 most offensive comic book characters of all time. We'll start with number 12, Shamrock. Let's play a game. Quickly, think of every Irish stereotype you can. Four-leaf clovers, red hair, the color green... The good fortune bestowed upon people who hailed from Ireland. Political violence dedicated to Irish republicanism. Imagine all of those things, but wrapped up in a single individual. Ladies and gents, meet Molly Fitzgerald, a hero in the Marvel Universe who goes by the name Shamrock. With her fiery red hair, green jumpsuit, and clover symbol plastered across her chest, Shamrock fought the forces of evil by being really lucky. Seriously, her superpower was literally the luck of the Irish. Uh, she's so Irish, we'd bet that she got her powers by kissing the Blarney Stone. But apparently, her militant IRA father prayed to bless his son, whose name was Patty, because, of course it was, with powers. Unfortunately, Patty was killed by an IRA bombing, and Molly was possessed by the ghosts of the innocent victims of war. These ghosts would then manifest themselves for short periods of time to grant Shamrock the luck she needed to turn the tables against her foes. Unfortunately, Shamrock slipped on a non-superhero-related accident and broke her leg. Believing her luck to have run out, she hung up her tights for good. Number 11. Jin Jinny. A member of the reality TV starring Ecstatics, Jin Jinny was a mutant who could generate seismic waves, the power of which was a direct result of how high her blood alcohol content was. A particularly nasty drunk, Jin Jitty, would often target her own team members with her powerful seismic blasts, essentially making her more akin to that one friend who can't handle his hair booze and gets dragged out of the bar by the bouncer after starting fights with everyone. The existence of Jin Jinny makes a joke out of alcohol dependence, and since she's essentially useless when she's not loaded, the character implies that dr being drunk makes you intrinsically better. Number 10. Now, DC Comics deserves some credit for at least attempting to diversify their whitewashed superhero rosters, 
but their early forays were composed solely of exaggerated stereotypes that became the sole attribute of these characters, relegating them to one-dimensional disposal redshirts. One such laughable attempt at injecting the Justice League of America with some Latin flavor was Cisco Ramon, otherwise known as Vibe. Vibe was a Hispanic gangbanger from the mean streets of Detroit, because this was 1984, and non-white characters had to come from an impoverished and or criminal background. Given his love of rhythmic gyrations thanks to his saucy Latin heritage, Vibe is able to generate powerful sonic vibrations. Also, he's a pretty rad breakdancer, effectively turning the league into JLA, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> In recent years, however, Vibe has seen a resurgence of the DC Universe with expanded abilities, making him one of the most powerful beings in DC Comics, as well as being featured as a main character on the CW's The Flash and Arrow television programs, although he hasn't broken out the cardboard dance floor yet. Ugh, jeez. Hmm. Oh, good lord, this one. Oh, 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 well, let's just get through it. Number nine, Egg Foo. Oh, a giant sentient egg that for some reason happens to be Chinese. This enemy of Wonder Woman is so blatantly racist, it would make your grandmother blush. Created in 1965, Egg Foo was drawn as if the guy who did caricatures at the local fair really disliked Asians. To make matters worse, Egg Foo's English dialogue was written in a Chinese accent, marking one of the earliest examples of English. In recent years, DC has attempted to gloss over the character's politically incorrect past, but the damage was done. Once they started printing dialogue to swap the letter L for the letter R, another Asian supervillain, Iron Man's longtime foe, the Mandarin, has caught some flack over the years for his racist undertones, but he has absolutely nothing on Egg Foo. Ah, oh, shame on you, DC. Shame on you. Hmm. Well, number eight, we have a character called Codpiece. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, not so much offensive, but definitely in bad taste. This throwaway villain only appeared in a single issue of DC's Doom Patrol. But I had to put him in here because I needed a full 12. <laughs> anyway, obviously intended as a juvenile joke, the sheer absurdity and tastelessness of the character has seen Codpiece live on in infamy. Before adopting the Codpiece persona, this hapless unnamed man was unlucky in love. A series of blunders and misunderstandings leads him to believe that his romantic mishaps are a direct result of the paltry size of his manhood. Ultimately, he becomes totally preoccupied with the size of his member, culminating in the construction of a huge, mechanized codpiece that housed a myriad of deadly weapons, including rockets and menacing drills, as well as a few comically oversized gag items like spring-loaded boxing gloves. <laughs> In a bizarre twist, after Codpiece robs a bank with his transforming wiener cannon, Coagula, one of the first transgender characters in comics, manages to subdue him by using her powers to, ahem, liquefy solids. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> well, it says here number seven was a character called Anarchist. 
in parentheses, Captain Coconut. Well, let's see. After being adopted by Caucasian parents, African-American Batty, the Alucard, did not understand why his skin tone was darker than his. Oh, please. Uh, so he began to obsessively wash his hands in an effort to clean the dirt off. Oh, good Lord! What? This obsession with cleanliness, racial shame, leads him to discover his mutant power, acidic sweat that generates an unknown type of energy. Oh, my God. After joining the reality TV incarnation of X-Force, later known as Ecstatics, oh, just like Jin Jinny, uh, Tyke adopts an aggressive, militant persona in an effort to hide his obsessive-compulsive disorder with his upbringing, leading one of his teammates to dub him Captain Coconut, because he is white on the inside. Oh, good God, why was Oreo Man already taken? Good Lord! Oh, oh, this one really takes the cake, doesn't it? Oh, my goodness. Oh. All right, number six, Big Bertha. Ashley Crawford is a gorgeous fashion model with a body to die for. After discovering that she is a mutant, she gives up lucrative international modeling contracts in order to use her powers for good. With her ability to gain mass at a hyper-accelerated rate, Ashley becomes the superhero known as Big Bertha. As Big Bertha, Ashley is gifted with super strength and is nearly impervious, which she uses to protect America's flyover states as part of the Great Lakes Avengers. The only problem is that she is morbidly obese. So in order to keep her day job of strutting her stuff down catwalks, Ashley has to ditch the weight, and fast. Luckily, she can simply duck into the nearest bathroom and purge all of the extra poundage. It's thinner better? We're not sure. But one thing is definitely for sure. Bulimia is never cool. No, it's not. Oh, my. But, oh, jeez. What, what a way to mock a serious disease. Oh, goodness. Number five, uh, Extrano. We've mentioned Extrano before, mainly to point out how much we did. I don't remember. Uh, how, anyway, mainly to point out how much potential this DC character would have had if it weren't for his unfortunate and flat-out embarrassing story arcs. Considered to be the first openly gay superhero, the opportunity to create a compelling character who simply happened to be homosexual was wasted as writers cheated Extrano like a walking punchline. Oh, bye. It was like Extrano was written by straight men who didn't mind the idea of gay people as long as they never found themselves in a public restroom with one. Oh, jeez. Oh. As a result, Extrano, whose name literally means strange or odd, oh, good lord, why didn't they just name him queer already? Jeez! Oh, anyway... Uh, embodied every gay stereotype, including flamboyant behavior, a sassy attitude, and a ridiculously gaudy costume. To make matters worse, Extrano contracted AIDS, oh my god, during his tenure as a superhero, most likely after he was attacked by an HIV-positive vampire called Hemogoblin, what? Oh, good. who was created by a white supremacist, what?! by a white supremacist group to eradicate non-whites by having the vampire infect them with AIDS. Yikes! What? Oh, my God. What? Oh, jeez. Oh. Uh, number four. Enchantress. 
There are many female characters in comic books who use their beauty to, to their advantage. Some don't even have a choice. No. Just look at Dancing Macabre, a, co uh, a cult member whose sensual dancing can hypnotize and even kill. Yes, she's essentially a stripper. Enchantress, despite having many powers and abilities in her wheelhouse, chooses to exploit her beauty in order to get what she wants. Sitting back feminist ideals for everyone. Oh. As an Asgardian, Enchantress began learning magic at an early age. After being expelled for being a little too flirtatious with the other students, she pursues her training in magic by seducing those in the know to get her hands on their mystical powers. Oh, just, oh. she was particularly interested in mind control. Well, a skill that her beauty only added to. She uses her feminine jaws to string along Scourge the Executioner, another Asgardian who was hopelessly in love with her. Like a true sociopath, Enchantress uses Executioner's infatuation with her to her advantage, exploiting him in many of his schemes, stringing him along like a puppy dog. Oh my god, this is horrible because women never do anything like that to men. No, they don't. Did we mention that she's no friend to women either? Oh no, she not only treats men like tools to get what she wants, just look at how many times she attempted to murder Jane Foster for the opportunity to get into Thor's pants. Oh, no. Jeez. Oh, boy. Another male fantasy of catfights, no doubt. Oh. Well, anyway, rumors of her inclusion in the upcoming Thor Ragnarok movie have cooled a bit in recent months. But if she is indeed on her way to the, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, fingers crossed the character is a bit less degrading than her comic book counterpart. Oh. Shame on you, Marvel. Shame. Number three. Oh, well, this is just great. Number three is Hatemonger. Looking as if someone had accidentally washed the Ku Klux Klan's sheets with a really dope purple sweater, Hatemonger first appeared on the pages of the Fantastic Four way back in 1963. A mysterious evildoer whose name pretty much says everything you need to know about him. Hatemonger popped up on the FF's, uh, well, the Fantastic Four's radar after holding a hate rally in New York City. Well, it must have had a... Sure you didn't have a red hat on? <laughs> of course, Hatemonger wasn't just any old bigot off the street. Oh, no! He had a hate ray, which was not a precursor to Haterade, <laughs> but rather a ray gun that shot beams of hate that would inflict its target with pure, unadulterated rage. After the Hatemonger was defeated, he was unmasked and revealed to be a still-alive Adolf Hitler. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? I guess. I don't know. At the time of publication, World War II had ended only 18 years prior, prompting the very first insistence of someone asking the question, Too soon? Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hmm. All right, on to number two, a character called Witchblade. Good Lord, look at this picture. More like naked woman. Good. Oh, they thought the chances was bad. Well, anyway, the, the, the objectification of women in comic books has been the subject of scrutiny and debate, as it should. Revealing costumes and implausible figures, mm -hmm, yes, yes, have often been cited as adding nothing to the characters other than blatant actualization. A pervy way for immature fanboys to get their jollies off while reading comic books. While there are many female characters who are incredibly strong and independent, it's hard to argue that they aren't deliberately designed to be sexually appealing. 
NYPD homicide detective Sarah Pizzini is one of those characters who is both strong and engaging, but is drawn in such a ridiculous manner we're left hoping that her costume is a tongue-in-cheek jab at the objectification of women in comics. Sadly, we highly doubt that this is the case. When Sarah stumbles upon a magical artifact known as the Witchblade, she is pulled into a world of supernatural intrigue. The Witchblade bestows its user with superhuman human abilities at the expense of its host's clothes. Yes, it literally rips the clothes off of Sarah's body when she uses it. But hey, breasts! And now, number one. The absolute most offensive comic book character. Yes. His name is Tyrock. Besides looking like he just waltzed out of Studio 54 at first glance, Tyrock seems like a win for race relations as one of DC's first black superheroes. However, if you were to take a peek at the DC character's brief history, you'd discover that his existence is less of a celebration of equality and more of a backhanded Criticism of racial integration and civil rights. Prior to 1976, the Legion of Superheroes, a kind of time-traveling intergalactic police force, featured exactly zero black characters. Blue-skinned aliens were okay, as long as they had Caucasian facial features. Mm-hmm. But black characters, even non-speaking ones, were completely devoid of any representation. That is, until Tyrock came onto the superhero scene to knock down the barriers of intolerance and oppression with his lame sound-based powers of superfly disco outfits. Just kidding. Tyrock was a total jerk who also happened to be a big fan of segregation. As it turns out, Tyrock was the superpowered champion of the fictional island of Marzal, whose residents were all black. Tyrock used his powers to invoice racial separatism on Marzal Island, using them to shoo away any undesirables or to transport the entire island into another dimension, courtesy of some lost disc mumbo-jumbo. At least this terrible storyline cleared up where all the black people had been. Oh, my goodness. It's like they were saying that black lives matter and no one else... I mean, no. Just shut up, damn it. Anyway... Yeah, there never was such a thing as militant black people who only liked black people and didn't like anyone else. No, there wasn't. So, there you go. Tyrock is probably the worst on this list. And there you have it. Yes, 12 of the most offensive comic book characters in the history of the medium. You're listening to the Mr. Nelson Show here on RadioMisfits.com. When you were a child, did you ever have nightmares about creepy old hags tormenting you? Well, then this short film just might have answers for you. The film Care of Hair and Nails is about some creepy old broad obsessed with personal hygiene. No, not her own, but the personal hygiene of children. Using her demonic powers of invisibility, she's determined to make children as obsessive as her. <laughs> Do enjoy, and remember to wash between meals, otherwise the old hag will get you. Once again, this riff of mine of this wonderful short film contains music by Kevin MacLeod. 
just like this ad does. So please download this cinematic treat for a mere 90 cents at selfie.com slash Nelson. That's selfie, S-E-L-L-F-Y dot com slash Nelson, N-A-I-L-S-I-N. Yes, it's just that simple. Selfie.com slash Nelson. Uh, this is Bubo from Night Night, uh, and you're listening to the Mr. Nelson Show. <laughs> It's a peaceful day in Cityopolis until a sudden nasty thunderstorm hits town with a downpour of rain, hail, lightning, and flash flooding. Also, several power outages occur. to do except lay down, take a nap, and uh, wait for it to blow over. No way, Smedley. I cannot waste time on something as simple as that, except uh, when I want to. But right now, I need power, so go down to the Knight's Lair and uh, hook up the Knight's Lair's nuclear reactor to the rest of Club Knight and uh, my apartment. Oh, yeah, cool. Now, wait a minute. We can't do that. Why not? Don't you remember? The nuclear reactor had a meltdown, and uh, you had to call in Sun King to come in and uh, rip it out and toss it in the sun. Oh, damn Sun King. Always sticking his super-powered nose where it doesn't belong. <laughs> You're just jealous because he's got superpowers and you don't. Shut up, boo Of course, it's funny his superpower is when he shoots beams out of his sun belt. It looks like he's taking a pee. <laughs> Wait a minute. Of course. Sun King. What do you mean? We can ride the storm out in electric-powered luxury at the Hall of Superdom, home of the American Super Society. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm just going to hook up a generator. Oh, you can't do that, Smedley. Well, why not? Well, the way I rewired everything to correspond with the nuclear reactor, uh, yeah, a generator wouldn't work. It would probably blow it out, so, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you keep a handle on things while we're over there. Since you're not a member of the ASS, you're not allowed in there, Smedley, so... Uh, uh, just hold down the fort here. Uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch. Come on, Rubo. I don't want to go out in that storm. It's scary and there's hail and stuff. Hmm, you might have a point. All right, forget about the night cruiser. We'll head to the night jet. Oh, boy. And soon the night jet can be seen soaring above the storm that has encircled Cityopolis. <laughs> Superpowers, Bobo, when you can afford a super sophisticated stealth jet like the night jet. I'd rather superpowers. That's because you're an idiot. But suddenly, lightning strikes the so called super sophisticated stealth night jet. My, my, my god. The night jet was completely destroyed by that lightning. It must have automatically ejected. It was knocked unconscious in the force, but I. What? Somehow, I'm floating aloft. It's as if 
I'm flying under my own power. Somehow that lightning gave me superpowers. Now I really am Night Knight. No, Night Knight. It's just me, Sun King. I rescued you from the destroyed ruin of your jet. I'm holding you and little Bubo aloft. What? Well, well, what happened to my jet? It's a total loss, Night Knight. I'm afraid that lightning sliced it in two, and the two parts crashed to the ground below in an exploding, fiery ruin. <laughs> what? And you just let it crash down there? <laughs> what good are you? Ah, oh, damn, that was an expensive plane. And soon, the mighty Sun King lands at the entrance to the Hall of Superdom, home of the ASS, the American Super Society, of which Night Knight and Bubo are members, along with Sun King. Uh, oh, what, what, Sun King? Ah, Sun King saved us, Night Knight! <laughs> Shut up, Bubo. All right, you two, I must again soar to the skies because there's other dangers and disasters resulting from this storm. Yeah, that's right. Just leap up into the sky right in front of me, making me look like a meaningless pile of shit. Well, compared to him, we all are, aren't we? Shut up, Bubo, you idiot! Get in there! Oh, no! <laughs> oh, no! Damn it! What the hell's the matter with you? I must have lost my phone in the in the destruction of the plane, cause I don't have it. <laughs> now I can't check my messages and, and, and Twitter stuff, and, and and I can't play Pokemon Go. <laughs> Damn useless pile of shit! Just go use the ASS's computer. Oh boy. Meanwhile, I need to conduct my plans, but oh, boy, can't do it on an empty stomach. I know. I'll order up some pizzas. Hello, this is Pizza Palace, home of the Royal, the Royal Deluxe, and the Crowner. My name is Todd. How may I help you? Good lord, in that amount of time, I've got ahead five pizzas already. Jeez! Hang on a minute, sir. Before you place the order, I'm going to need to know your name. Your address, your phone number, your social security number, and your mother's maiden name. <laughs> I can't give you that information because I am Night Night. As for my address, I'm calling you from the Hall of Superdom, headquarters of the ASS. I'm sure you've heard of it. Yeah, we don't send uh, deliveries out there. <laughs> what, what, what? What do you mean? That's a bad neighborhood. It's really dangerous and the crime rate's huge, and so uh, our drivers just don't go there. <laughs> but it's the Hall of Superdom. I mean, come on, you can't be safer. We're champions of law and justice. Yeah, well, sorry, sir, but we're just not delivering to that address. You'll have to pick some other spot for our driver to meet you, or come pick up the order here. <laughs> You're going to learn a little lesson about business, buddy. Just lost a customer. I'm taking my services elsewhere. Yeah, well, good luck with that because all the other pizzerias are following the same rule due to, you know, the crime statistics. Yeah, well, we'll see. But upon pursuing other pizza restaurants, Night Night determines that the Pizza Palace was correct. Hello, welcome to Pizza Palace, home of the Royal, the Royal Deluxe, and the Crowner. My name is Todd. How may I help you? Yes, my name is Stanley Winston, and I would like to... Uh, no, I don't think so, unless that's your real name. This is Night Night, isn't it? Because I can see it's the same number as he called on what? here two minutes ago. <laughs> All right, damn it, come on! 
Brian. Send us the pizza. I already told you, man. The rules are the rules. That's that. I already told you how you can get the pizza. You can either do that or you can just forget it. You pimple face. Hey, I don't need this kind of abuse. Goodbye. And you're blacklisted from the Royal Palace from now on. No, wait. Don't hang up. Ah, damn it. Bubo, get your ass up. We're going to have to go pick up the pizza. What? Why don't they just deliver? Well, they don't. Well, let's go. Going what? The night cruiser. I keep a spare night cruiser in the garage of the ASS. Oh, yeah. All right, I'll be there in a few seconds. I just got to finish up all the downloads I'm doing here on the computer because, you know, I got to get all my songs and all the movies I had and stuff like that. And it's all gone on my phone, so I need it here, too. Yeah, whatever. Just hurry up, Bubo. And later... After Night Night and Bubo had brought two pizza pies back to the Hall of Zubrim. Oh, man. That was good stuff. Yeah. That's great there, Frog Prince. Just, uh, help yourself. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Green snot. Who was on monitor duty? Uh, I think that was Bubo, wasn't it? What? Bubo. Are you aware that you took our emergency messaging system offline so that you could download files? Yeah. But, but why? Yeah, I lost them all on my phone, so I had to get all my songs and my movies and all that. My God, there was like 558 of them. Yeah, well. Oh, 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 oh get out of the way. I got to hit the can. <laughs> Look at Night Night. You can tell his butt cheeks are peaching shut. <laughs> and soon in the world famous men's room of the ASS. Oh, oh, oh. I've only got seconds to lose. Must act fast. Oh. 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 Let's see if he needs a read. Huh. Lesbo a go go. Yeah, that's good. But then, suddenly. What the hell? The fastest bugman alive. Only he could crap that fast. But then, as the flea, fastest bugman alive, attempts to leave the men's room, he encounters fellow superhero, the Light. Oh, uh, hey there, Light. Oh, hello, flea. Um, listen, uh, about last night, um. Uh, uh, I don't want to talk about that. But don't you think we should? Oh, uh, no, later! Oh. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I. I think I'm in love. Oh, look at it. Hey, who's in there? Ah, uh, hey there, Light. Uh, <laughs> it's just me, Night Night, uh, taking a dump. Oh, uh. Well, uh. Did you hear anything? Uh. No, no, I'm too busy taking a dump. Uh, I'm not paying attention to what's going on out there. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, oh, damn it! What's wrong, Night Night? Yeah, I just not noticed there's no toilet paper. Well, that's okay, Night Night. With my plasma light energy power, I can create toilet paper out of pure plasma light energy that could probably clean your ass a lot more sufficiently than the average toilet paper. Ah. Uh, uh, thanks anyway, uh, Light, but, uh, 
Uh, it turns out I've got an emergency uh, toilet paper package in my night-night uh, utility belt. So, uh, yeah, I'm good. Oh, well, um, all right, night-night. Uh, uh, I guess I'll see you around. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. The light and the flea are a couple of fudge packers. <laughs> Should have seen that coming. <laughs> but what am I laughing about? As I sit here reading this lesbian porn magazine, which only mocks me because my heart has been broken by the lesbian lustfulness of my true love, the flying pig. Oh, the torment that a champion of justice must endure. Meanwhile, outside, Sun King has managed to recover one of the denied emergency messages. And on the screen appears a farmer and cattle rancher in distress. Them damn aliens are stealing and mutilating my cattle. So I figured you all could come down here and open a can of whoop-ass on them fellers. Huh, I can be at that farm in two shakes of a lamb still. Eat my dust, you pookies. Good lord, look at that ass go. But then, minutes later, <laughs> yeah, you should have seen the look on Brain Drain's face when I flushed his pocket universe down the toilet. <laughs> um, guys, uh, it seems the flea is trying to call us. Uh, where the hell are you guys? These aliens are kicking my ass. Uh, sure, I've got super speed, but they've got light speed engines, so uh, they're really putting a spanking on me. All right, all right, quit crying, goddammit. We'll come help. But let this incident be a lesson to you, smartass. Don't bite off more than you can chew, or... Uh, some, some shit like that. Look, you know what I mean. Come on, Moon Maid. Let's go save that whiny little pussy's sorry ass. Um, hey guys. I'll, I'll come too, since outer space aliens are my specialty. Um, okay. Well, so much for our motel rendezvous. Now tell me about it. And soon, our heroes, Sun King, Moon Maid, and the Light, are off in pursuit of justice for the family farm in distress. But as they're soaring through the skies, all three of them are deep in thought. Man, I was really looking forward to slamming some moon pie. Uh, but then the Light horns in. Hmm. Could it be he's intending to win her over? Sun King seemed to ask for me without hesitation. Could it be that he's forgiven me for my infidelities? I, I hope so. I, I can't leave without my supernatural fucking. Hmm. Sun King seemed overly distant and crude toward the flea. Damn it. Could it be that he knows about my homosexual fleeing with him? And so, they arrive at the farm, which is still under attack by a small fleet of alien spacecraft. Okay, none of that weak come in peace shit. Just hit him and hit him hard. Light, you distract them while Moon Maid and I pick them off. Oh, hey, well, what about me? Well, what do I do? Flea, you just sit there and cry, you goddamn sissy. Oh, gee. And soon, ASS makes short work of the alien invaders. Sun King smashes through several of the ships with his mighty sun-fueled powers. Take that, you cow-mutilating, butt-probing bastards. While the light forms a giant hand, and it sometimes forces it to flip the bird at the aliens. Get the message. The rest of the ships are blinded and hypnotized by moon maids glowing radioactive ass. 
And so, the mighty American Super Society defeats the aliens and hands the survivors over to the U.S. military. Take them away, boys. Those little bastards have violated their last orifice. But, but we came in peace. We are only curious scientists. Ah, bullshit. You can take that sob story and shove it up your asshole. Er, uh, if you have one. Don't worry, Sun King, sir. The U.S. military will find out. Oh. All in all, great job, team. Great job? What about me? Well, what about you? Your crazy battle with them aliens burn up my entire herd. I'm ruined. Well, now you can have one big-ass barbecue. <laughs> Thus ends another amazing adventure of, uh, well, somebody. Mad. Uh, at least Night Night got a pizza out of the deal. Uh, tune in next time for another exciting adventure of Night Night. This has been a Nailsin production. The Night Night theme song is performed by Alistair White and his lovely wife, Heather. Incidental music is courtesy of Kevin McLeod. All characters are performed by me, Douglas Nelson. Join us again, won't you? Say, gang, want to help out your old pal, Mr. Nelson? Well, you can. Of course, you've heard my ads for my Society6 store and my Selfie store of all those hilarious little videos. Yes, 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 yes. Well, now there's another store uh, similar to the Society6 store, but some products are a little bit cheaper. And there's a few more, including the Mr. Nelson hat, Mr. Nelson t-shirts, several kinds of t-shirts, even the value t-shirt. And it's all at the Mr. Nelson store, courtesy of Zazzle.com. That's Zazzle.com slash the underscore M-R underscore N-A-I-L-S-I-N underscore store. <laughs> yes, it's just that simple. So head over to the Mr. Nelson store and select some sort of apparel you can have. Yes, all different kinds of shirts, some of which are shirts that uh, represent some of the movies I did at my Selfie store, uh, some even represent the Bob Levy show. And for the ladies, yes, some little undergarments with my face on them. <laughs> oh, yes. Ah, bumper stickers, posters, little buttons and pins, all that good stuff, and plenty of other kinds of shirts. Yes, and of course, like I mentioned, the value shirt at $14.95. It's a steal. Mm -hmm. Yes. So head over to the Mr. Nelson store, zazzle.com slash the Mr. Nelson store. That's the underscore Mr. underscore Nelson underscore store. And by Mr., I just mean MR. Yes, 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 yes. It's just that simple. Yes, yes. So, please, uh, help me out, won't you? Thanks. And now, Nelson Studios presents a labor of obsession and a colossal waste of time. Star Trucking. The Adventures of Bubba Stargon.
in our last episode, Bubba Stargon and the crew of the Edsel barely escaped the evil clutches of Martian warlord Magnus Rex. And now we join our heroes within the Edsel as they continue to travel through space. <laughs> yeah! Ah, oh, man, I just took a big old dump right on the Martians. <laughs> wow, that was clever. <laughs> Silly, but also brave. I must warn you, Bubba. Magnus Rex is not one to be taunted. He won't soon forget the humiliation that you just smeared all over him. <laughs> yeah, that's one way of putting it. Magnus Rex? Huh. How'd you know he's on that ship? Oh, well, I make it my business... Dr. Hatfield, to know my enemies, and so I've studied up on all the Martian fleet, and I recognize that ship as the Ares, which operates as Magnus's personal warship. Jeez, I gotta say, uh, all them Martian ships look alike to me. <laughs> yes, well, to the untrained eye, perhaps, Floyd, but as I've said, mine is a well-studied eye. God damn it, who the hell's that? Bubba, it's a call from Star Truck in Central. It's Lloyd. Oh, man. Who's Lloyd? He's our boss, Lloyd Tang. He's not the boss of me. He's just, you know, our general manager. Anyway, it... hey, Lloyd, what's up? Once again, Bubba, you are behind schedule. And our sensors detect you've lost one of your cargo holds. Hey, we ran into some pirates. And not only that, but some Martians. Martians? Good Lord. Don't you have sense enough to steer clear of those warrior people? Why is it always on me? I mean, uh, why can't they stay clear of, uh, of me and my crew, you know? Speaking of your crew, sensors also detect you have more than your fair share of crew members. Are you picking up more prostitutes? How dare you! There, got my answer. Well, well, you're going to have quite a bit of credits docked from your pay, Bubba. Oh, you don't know the pain! It will drive me to have to do that. Uh-oh, here goes the button. Uh-oh, uh-oh, I just pushed it. There goes your pay, Bubba. And not only that, you're now indebted for the lost cargo hold and other damages I'm sure the Edsel has suffered. Remember, it's my ship, Bubba! Mine! Star trucking out! God damn it. Well, Bubba, sorry to hear about your troubles there, good man, but we must make plans to rescue Dr. Soros Lear. <laughs> what? Hey, listen, pal, I'm not a part of your resistance movement. <laughs> I'm just a space holder, and as you heard, I'm in deep shit because I lost some shit, and I gotta get back and deliver the rest of this shit. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'll let you off wherever you want to get off to, but, uh, yeah, we're not going to Mars or any of that crap. But I thought that you... And me, I... You thought what? Nothing. Alright, Spot set a course for Titan. We gotta get over there, drop these guys off, and then deal with Lloyd. Okay, Bubba. News Flash! Mere days after negotiations between Mars and Earth had broken off, Mars has declared war on the Jupiter community. Europa and Io have already suffered attacks, with Titan believed to be the next target. This cuts off Earth from the rest of the star system and its other allies therein. Could all-out war between Earth and Mars be far behind? Stay tuned to News Flash! <laughs> <laughs> 
for more details. Oh, man. Well, Bubba, it appears you really have no choice. You might as well continue on course with our plan because you really have nowhere else to go because there's Martians everywhere and they cannot be allowed to get their hands on the ultimate weapon. So, it looks like our heroes are bound to rescue the mysterious Dr. Saris Lear in the hopes of preventing the Martians from gaining his ultimate weapon, the antimatter bomb. Will they succeed? Maybe we'll find out in the next exciting chapter of Star Truck and This week on the passing of the crabs. Pack your bags and get out, Kelly. We're through. What? Because of you, I've suffered the indignity of a crab infestation in my nether regions, you backstabbing whore. What? 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 How do you know those crabs came from me? I mean, I've seen the way you look at Melanie. Don't bring my secretary into this. I know it was you, because I had one of the critters analyzed. And your DNA was found in its blood. But, but, that's crazy! I... I don't believe you! No, it's true. The lab matched it to your DNA from your pubic hairs I got from one of your panties you left lying around, you lazy cow. You... you bastard! <laughs> Join us all next week for TV's number one daytime drama, The Passing of the Crabs. Followed by The Thirsty and the Ratchet. And now, it's time for the Nailsin Ratings. Witchy commentary by me, Mr. Nailsin, on all things concerning life, culture, entertainment, and whatever else the cat may drag in. Well, Disney is apparently working on a reboot of the uh, Rocketeer, which was... Uh, uh, a really good film. I really enjoyed it. it. It bombed. It didn't do very well at the time it came out. It was back in 91. Uh, it's based on a uh, comic book by Dave Stevens, who was a fantastic artist. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away some time ago. But uh, it was one of these, that, uh, like Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, paid homage to uh, the, the old serials that they had in the 30s and 40s. They would have, you know, like Flash Gordon and all that. And uh, that was the idea, because there was a series like Rocket Man or something like that, and that's pretty much top to bottom, uh, the, the look and everything that he took for his character, although Rocketeer looked a lot better. Uh, but anyway, uh, and so it, it was a cool thing he did, and it was actually uh, like a backup feature for a comic book series in the 80s called Star Slayer. So it was almost kind of like, hey, we got this extra space, we need you to fill it up, can you do it? <laughs> and so he came up with this thing, and it was really great. Uh, he's also kind of responsible for uh, uh, it, in, in this the series, the uh, main character as Cliff Secord, who is the Rocketeer, uh, his girlfriend was called Betty, and uh, well, she was completely an, uh, an homage to uh, Betty Page, the '50s pinup girl, uh, who was kind of forgotten by then, and then uh, this kind of brought her back, you know, and then it was all popular. You see Betty Page stuff everywhere, and uh, it, it owes to some of that, some of that to this uh, this comic book series. And uh, anyway, when the uh, movie came out, it had Billy Campbell as Secord and Jennifer Connelly, although they renamed her Jenny, 
<laughs> I guess they just didn't want to do the Betty part. But good choice. And Timothy Dalton was the villain in this day. And it was a good, uh, you know, little cheesy action thing. And it was good. It had good comedy in it, good action. And it was great. And But it just didn't do well at the box office for some reason. But along the way, uh, it developed this cult following. And a lot of people just really loved the film because it is that good. So it was the kind of movie that looked like it could get a sequel. But unfortunately, it never did, because like I said, it bombed, uh, despite all the great brightness and uh, happy adventure it had, and a wonderful score by James Horner. But uh, so anyway, but like I said, it became this cult thing, and so of course, Disney's thinking, well, this could be another little franchise of ours, and I think that's what they're thinking. However, uh... The reboot's going to look a little different. In fact, it's not really a reboot. Right now, the idea is for it to be a uh, a sequel. It's supposed to take place, I suppose, like six years later. Uh, but uh, And uh, Cliff Secord apparently was lost during World War II fighting Nazis, and nobody knows what became of him. And so now uh, this is supposed to be a Cold War plot, but it's kind of odd because six years is not enough years for them to get into the Cold War years, so they might have to rethink that. <laughs> but anyway, the idea is, of course, a young African-American female pilot takes on the Rocketeer mantle. <laughs> because, you know, you had a lot of African uh, females uh, uh, pilots fighting, fighting communists back then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, and also, I've heard that the it will be renamed the Rocketeers, so she might be like the leader of a team of Rocketeers. So they're going to try to Ghostbusters this one too, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but apparently, the idea was that they wanted to differentiate it, differentiate it from the uh, original because they thought it was too close to Iron Man, which is interesting because uh, currently in the Marvel comic series of Iron Man, Iron, uh, Tony Stark is no longer Iron Man. Uh, a young African female is. <laughs> so, so uh, wow. <laughs> Disney owns Marvel, so I you think they would have known this, but apparently not. Uh, so, but anyway, this is the draft they're working on right now. Um, interestingly enough, uh, of the writing team of Max Winkler and Matt Spicer, Max Winkler is actually the son of Henry Winkler, better known as the Fonz. A. So, there you go for that. Um, well, anyway, uh, now at the time of the 40s and 50s, I'm not sure that an African-American lass would have been all that accepted by society uh, as the hero of the day. But then again, keep in mind, there's that golden helmet. So if she puts that on, uh, no one will know her, uh, her skin color. So maybe that's what they're going for. I don't know, but... Uh, <laughs> But it's like this, you have to do it. And the excuse here that it's too close to Iron Man, I'm not buying that. I think this is, for some reason, the PC cult uh, still thrives in Hollywood, and they felt it necessary to do this. Now, look, if you want to make up your own idea, I'm all for that. And uh, I would probably set it in a more believable time. But uh, nevertheless, here we go. Uh, it's too bad, because it could it could have made a great series... Uh, a, a, you know, a total reboot because like Billy Campbell's too old now to play the part, I would think, uh, unless they want to do, you know, <laughs> the retirement years of Rocketeer or whatever. But um, 
it, it, it could have been a great franchise series of stories, but I don't know if they could secure the rights like uh, the comic book is. The comic book, in the movie, the idea is that Howard Hughes invented the rocket jet, which was a neat idea. It was clever, but it was to get around the, the original idea of the comic book. The comic book kind of teases and hints at the idea that pulp uh, fiction character Doc Savage had invented it. And there's even a later story in which uh, he, uh, Cliff Secord meets uh, Lamont Cranston, who is in reality the shuttle, and that kind of thing. So it was kind of keeping in with that era of characters, and it was a neat kind of uh, uh, another homage, if you will. But uh, I don't know if the, uh, Disney could, you know, pony up for all that or make up knockoff characters and that kind of thing. But but there again, you could have had a whole franchise if they could buy those characters. <laughs> that would be a whole other franchise of this one shared universe of bulk characters. Ah, well, so it looks like we're going to have uh, Ghostbusters meets the Rocketeer, and we'll call it the Rocketeers. So we'll see who else gets to be a Rocketeer in the Rocketeers. It, I don't know if this is a formula for success, but because uh, it sure wasn't for Ghostbusters, but uh, oh, we'll see, we'll see. But uh, for lack of originality, I can't give Disney more than a star on this one. And that was the Nelson Ratings. Commentary from me, Mr. Nelson. The views and opinions expressed in the Nelson Ratings do not necessarily reflect those held by Radio Misfits or any other entity that Mr. Nelson may or may not be involved with. So any complaints or comments should be sent to at Mr. Nelson on Twitter, where they'll be promptly ignored and or blocked. Alright, that's it for this episode of the Mr. Nelson Show. Uh, hopefully I can keep up the episodes, but I'm just giving you fair warning. There might be a few uh, best of things, like best of Night Night and uh, maybe a best of Star Trek in one. <laughs> uh, because uh, I'm going to be working on uh, these um, movie projects I'm doing with for my Selfie store. And also uh, working on the Halloween special, similar to what I did last year. Uh, with the Scream of the Devil show. So there'll be another one of those for this Halloween. And probably I was hoping to get in a few more like during the month of October. You know, there'd be a few more little, I don't know, spooky radio plays type things. And so uh, uh, stay tuned for that. But uh, so uh, I might have to just slap together some best of shows <laughs> here and there. Maybe not. Maybe I can uh, put it all in there. But uh, here lately, uh, I'm doing an awful lot of work for other people's podcasts. Free of charge. Yes, yes. So uh, uh, please do go to the Mr. Nelson uh, store uh, at Zazzle.com uh, slash Mr. Underscore. Or no, is it the underscore Mr. Underscore Nelson, N-A-I-S-I-N underscore store. <laughs> So it's on Zazzle.com. There's some t-shirts there, hats and uh, pins and stickers, bumper stickers, stuff like that. And then, of course, uh, Selfie.com slash Nelson, where uh, my poor man Mystery Science Theater movies are there. So please uh, chip in, help out Mr. Nelson, and uh, it's all greatly appreciated. Good night, everybody. The views and opinions expressed during the Mr. Nelson Show do not necessarily reflect those held by RadioMisfits.com. So, any complaints and or comments should be sent to at Mr. Nelson on Twitter, where they'll be promptly ignored and or blocked. The 
The Witchblade bestows its user with superhuman human abilities at the expense of its host's clothes. Yes, it literally rips the clothes off of Sarah's body when she uses it. But hey, breasts. Uh, uh, mm.